0: Heavenly Father, again we come to you, and we just thank you for loving us the way you do, all of us, day by day. Everything that we do, Lord, we have to look to you. Too. What a wonderful thing to do. Lord, thank you for your love and your kindness and you guidance through this day. Refer to the service, the words are going to be spoken there. These things we love you, Lord, and thank you for in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Are you going to have Sunday school next week? they having all that happening? Uh, no, we won't
1: because they're having two services next week. So we will not no Sunday school next week. So oh, what? Well, are supposed to go to both services? Yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, you're supposed to work. <coughs> Pardon? Work. Just do something. Okay. The, the authoritative word is Dave here. Dave, are we having Sunday school next week or are there two services next week? There yeah, there's two
0: services.
1: There is two services. Yeah.
2: 8.30 eight 30 and 10.30. 10.30. So, so, so,
0: yeah. so, so, yeah. so, so, so what happens to the nice
2: people that come at 8.30 and hang what
1: are we supposed to do all three? time? That's why I'm going to 10.30. Well, everybody's
2: going to go to the 10.30. Why don't you
1: find out? Because yeah. um, I, don't, I don't mind teaching next week. I just know there's two services, not want to interfere with what's going on. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh get up this morning and and Karen says, Well aren't you gonna put your Bible in the Bible cover that I got you? So we're looking all over, can't find the Bible cover. <laughs> anyway, I must have left it at church, right? So we get here and we're looking all over, looking for the Bible cover. She pulls her notebook out of my backpack, <laughs> there's the Bible. <laughs> anyway Orange. <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, it's interesting, when you can't find things, Lord knows right where they are.
0: Um, so we spend hours just,
1: looking. Yeah, I just need to have Karen look for it. Um, why don't we start this morning in, uh, in Psalm 71. In Psalm 71. I'm sure we've read this before, but we'll read it again. Psalm 71. Whoever gets to it first and wants to read out, jump right in.
0: Hey Dave, before start, can we pray real quick? I just got a call this morning and a friend of mine, our husband, was killed yesterday. Oh, okay. um, her daughter, was, uh, Joanne was, is Emily's <coughs> age, 15, 16, and she's the one who heard the news, and uh, she's supposed to be in my
1: biblical world in class, but. Um, Anyway, so the Lafayette family, Lafayette. Husband, Jim was killed. Lafayette? Yes. Sure. Well, let's go ahead and pray for Lord, uh, we want to lift you to the Lafayette family this morning and just the um, shock and uh, adjustment that they're going through uh, the loss of Jim. Lord, that he's in your presence now. Um, Lord, we know that all of our days are known to you that you order our our time here on earth and that this is uh not a a shock or a surprise to you and and we know how you've been working in their lives and in his life um lord we we just lift their family to you and the um, grieving that they're going through and will go through in the months ahead lord we just ask for your hand of comfort upon them that you would draw the right people around them to give them words in a time of great, great difficulty, Lord. Um, we just thank you for your loving kindness towards us, and just ask that you would pour your grace out upon this family. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your name we pray. You know, I, I, I inferred that they're probably a Christian family, oh, yes. and Jim is Christian family, and. Yeah. Well, he was uh, oh. actually
0: um, flying, taking lessons in his ultralight that he's had for years, and there was
1: an explosion. I heard about that, actually. I didn't know that was from um, somebody else's the Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the loft, yeah. GM <laughs>
0: Yeah, but yeah, but they're they're older. The only the two youngest are are living at home. Um, but um, anyways, yeah, yeah. I
1: literally, like God's phone calls. I just leave them. Wow. Well, it's certainly a tragedy uh, from our perspective in the world. Um, you know, it's good to know that he's he's uh, with the Lord and comfort. home. Uh, yes. Somebody want to read out Psalm seventy-one? You go for it?
2: In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. You have given commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked out of the grasp of the wrongdoer and ruthless man, for you are my hope. O oh Lord God, you are my confidence from my youth. By you I have been sustained from my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have become a marvel to many, for you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day long. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails, for my enemies have spoken against me, and those who watch for my life have consulted together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is no one to deliver. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, hasten to my help. Let those who are adversaries of my soul be ashamed and consumed. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek to injure me. But as for me, I will hope continually, and I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your salvation all day long. For I do not know the sum of them. I will come with the mighty deeds of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and I would still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to all who are to come. For your righteousness of God reaches to the heavens. You who have done great things of God, who is like you, you have shown me many troubles and distress, will revive me again, and will will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. May you increase my greatness and turn to comfort me. I will also praise you with a heart, even your truth, O my God. To you I will sing praises with the lyre, O holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, and my soul, which you have redeemed. My tongue also will utter your righteousness all day long, for they are ashamed, for they are humiliated who seek my hurt. Amen. So, a,
1: a continuous declaration of the goodness of God. So we're in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, right at the cusp of chapter 11. Um, I know it's organized here. What do you remember from Hebrews chapter 10 last week? We picked up at verse 19. What struck you as interesting... Uh, what questions came up in your mind as you ponder this section of scripture? What's it about? Anyone?
2: You mentioned at the very beginning of class that God is about relationships. Yep. All about relationships, and that's what he teaches us is the most important. And when you were going through the three things... Um, <coughs> Verse verse 22, 23, 24. And it says, you know, let us draw near, let us hold fast, let us consider how. What I saw there first was the first two was all about our relationships with God, actually. And the last one was about our relationships with people. Yep.
1: And that's actually why I chose Psalm 71 this morning. Because, like I said, it's a continual declaration of the goodness of God. Reliance upon him, drawing near... Um, holding fast to the hope that we have in him and then telling others that that's, that's the hope that's within us. And that, that's interesting that you got that. That's good.
2: That's yeah. Start with um, one of the neatest part of my growth that I um, was ever taught was taking time to let God love on you. Not have an agenda, not talking to him, just allowing him to minister to you. And to me, that was the biggest part of my growth, and that to me is the draw near.
1: Yes, and it has, uh, it was pointed out last week that there's that idea of entering into God's rest in drawing near. It's when we cease acting um, and um, rest in him, rest in his action. Our behalf that um, that kind of uh, intimacy occurs. And a lot of times, in fact I even had a, a note in here, it's not a matter of trying harder, trying to please God, but of trusting God fully. So when we look at some of the major themes that occur throughout the Bible, um, we see this repeated over and over and over again. that idea of drawing near, trusting in him, resting in him, um, letting God be God and us not. Because that's the the area that we struggle most in, is that we want to take control. How many of you guys here are control freaks? (laughs) You know, if you're confronted with the situation, okay, so... Uh, you and your husband come out to the car, who drives and why? Wow. That's yeah. for safety. <laughs> <laughs> now that's control. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's a very natural thing for us, when I say natural, fallen natural, to. Um, Desire to make ourselves secure. The desire to, um, and, and that takes a lot of different forms. So, for example, in the workplace, right? Uh, where does where does greed and amassing wealth idea come from? Does it come from the idea that we amass uh, wealth for the purpose of uh, distributing or serving in God's kingdom, or does it come? Uh, in the form of I want to make sure that all of my boundaries are secure. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, so it, we we have this idea to control things. And what you see in Drawing Near is just the opposite of that. It's resting in God. And so we see that theme repeated. And that's that's where it starts. Okay, You rest in God. You hold fast the confession of your hope without wavering. And then he says, for he who promised is faithful. So there's encouragement that um, God is not going to let you down. He's not going to fail. Um, He's God. And no matter what you put your hope in, in this world, it will fail. If nothing else, the world will end and it will be gone. Serious but God continues right God is there after the end and understanding natural reality if you were a naturalist you'd say well uh, either the cosmos is all there is all there ever was and all there ever will be and it goes on forever and ever and ever and it, and it never had a beginning and never had an end which it, natural uh, phenomena itself says that's not true it has a beginning It has a beginning, therefore it has an end. It is not eternal. But God has no beginning and no end. He's there after the end. He is is the one who can truly be faithful. And so we're encouraging that. Hold fast, the confession of your hope. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Um, And that's that's that community. So we're uh, vertically aligned and we're horizontally aligned. So I, I find that as we're reading through Hebrews and we're seeing the great exposition on the high priest, um, how he, who he is, um, what his priesthood is about, what the new covenant is about, and what he's done for us, and then he gets to the encouragement to us, the let us, um, we're, we're encouraged to draw near, hold fast our confession of hope, and consider how to stimulate others to love and good deeds then he gets into this uh this warning passage which this warning passage often just stops people in their tracks uh i'll never forget one time we were doing a bible study in hebrews in my living room and a good good friend of mine aaron who comes from a, a background similar to mine which is pretty scary and uh, <laughs> so we are we talking about this and we are reading along all of these good things about God and how he's uh, loving and compassionate and gracious. And then all of a sudden, uh, the judgment uh, aspect of God comes into play. And judgment is good, by the way. It's an expression of um, righteousness, making things right. So, God created things good. And when things are not good, when they're not right, a good God would make them that's what justice is it's restoring to right but if you're on the side that you want to hold on to that which is not right that's a a very fearful place to be that's being in the wrath of God and you don't want to be in the wrath of God because you're not going to win right? you're not going to have your way you are not God and that's when we get to this passage and I was reading through it he just stopped he said hold it we're not going any further until we talk about this. And he stopped me on this. He said, so what does it mean, and I'll read this passage, for if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the son of God and has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the spirit of grace for we know him who said vengeance is mine I will repay and again the Lord will judge his people it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God what things, what questions as you read through that jump out (laughs) <laughs>
0: okay. um, I guess some of you know that I'm, I've been struggling a little bit with the, the theology
1: that says once saved, always saved. The reason is I don't see it anywhere in this book. Okay. But let's just take this chapter as an example. Okay? Mm-hmm. So in chapter 10 earlier on, mm-hmm. 10,
0: for example, it's real clear that Christ's
1: sacrifice is good once for all. His sacrifice was perfect. It's sufficient, it's effective, and it's permanent. No problem there. The problem is with me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so you get to verse 26.
1: Yes. Or if we willfully you sin and me. Yes. So what does it mean to continue willfully in sin? Well, I think that's probably what I do about every day. We do. Yes. That's what's scary so about it. Exactly. So <laughs> the problem isn't him, the problem is me. Um, mm-hmm. So, I guess I take this pretty seriously. (laughs) Yes, and it's intended to be taken seriously. Um, And,
0: you know, but I'm all about how should we then live, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, it it isn't like his sacrifice wasn't perfect. I think it is. Mm -hmm. It's whether or not I'm really
1: regenerated. If I willfully want to go on and sin. Okay, that's a good question. Are you regenerated if you willfully want to go on in sin? So... Or even if you don't willfully... So part of that phrase is will. When God created us, he created us with uh, a free will. In other words, he's not going to decide for us that which we choose. Now, we could get into the different, you know, areas of of theology about uh, determinism and predestination and foreknowledge. But one of the things that's clear is that we have a will. And that that will, although it may be um, restricted in the sense that um, we cannot will ourselves to live forever, Right? We have bounds upon that which we can actually affect uh, the result. But nonetheless, we have choice. We are making choices. So if you, in your choice, choose to reject God, what does that mean?
0: Eternal death. Why?
1: Because that's what it says. That's right. There is nowhere else to turn. That's what it says. Both of those are true statements.
0: Our salvation does not depend on us.
1: It does not. No if we're saved. And why God. does it not depend on us? Because he did the work. He's the one who finished it. And the Bible well, says no if, one, not even yourself, can pluck him out of his hand. It it says that um he's done the work. But implied in that is that we are not able to do the work. If it was possible for us to affect our own salvation, we would do it. But it is not possible for us to affect our own salvation. The result of sin, and this is where, you know, I talk about total depravity, the effect of the fall is such that I am no longer able in any way um, and I was never by creation in any way ever to, I don't have life within myself. You don't have life within yourself. It is not possible if I'm separated from that life, which is what Mitch said, you're separated. Um, If you're separated from that life it's not possible for you to have life within yourself. It is not possible for you to do anything to restore yourself to a position of life. Therefore, it requires someone from the outside. So that's why it was necessary for God to intervene on our behalf. We had to have a high priest. Now, God could have said, too bad, so sad. You know, we'll do a do-over here and, uh, and just, you know, wipe the slate clean and start it over. He could have done that with the angels. He could have done that with humanity. He could have done that but he didn't. One of the greatest times of worship I ever had. Worship is that place in relationship. And we'll get to here, here Daniel. Um, one of the greatest times of worship I ever had, a place of relationship uh, where I'm drawing near to God, was when a guy was putting Hubble Space Telescope pictures on a screen. And he was showing all of these incredible pictures that had never been seen before. And, of course, they're enhanced for color and stuff like that. But... <coughs> Uh, that's just because we can't stand on the edge of the galaxy and observe uh, nebula and things like that. So they say, well, you know, oxygen gives you a green color, hydrogen gives you a red color, let's color this in. And they color it in, and they show you these incredible pictures. I mean, they're just, if you love space things, like I do, it's just like it melts you in your chair. It's like, wow. And he's going through and he's describing all of the, the wonders of nature and at the end of every slide, he said, and God didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Then he'd go to the next slide, and he'd draw me right in and say, and God didn't have to do that. God didn't have to do this. God did not have to come and die for us. It was not required of him. I say that with a condition. His love for us is so deep that he could have done nothing else. That's what's amazing. That is amazing grace. That's how we need to understand and that's the hope that we're drawing near to. He who promised is faithful. He promised us something because of his great love. And his promise is sure. This is the one who no one can snatch us out of his hand. Tim's question is, yeah, no one can snatch me out of his hand, but can I jump? <laughs> right? Well, can you turn around, turn your back away, and walk away? And can you turn your back you, on God yeah, and walk am, away? Am I not doing that when I, when I either willfully or... You know, if, if I did not have free will then I would say the answer would have to be it depends on how God made me. If God made me such that I would not turn my back on him and jump out of his hand, then um, that's where I would be. I would be sure because he he made me that way. But that also implies something else. That means that God would make some because we know that not all are saved. Right? Right? So that would mean God made some to turn their back on you. That would be the absence of truly free will, libertarian free will. Right? But if you have libertarian free will, which is, I think, what you're advocating is in this passage, Tim, that you actually have the choice that you can turn your back on God and say, God, I know that you love me. As amazing as that may be, but I still do not want you. I choose death. No, I didn't say that. Well, that's what and would be required.
0: Yeah. I'm just... Okay,
1: because it says willful. No, yeah, let's look like at 20 seconds. Okay. Yeah. If we go on sinning willfully... Willfully.
0: After receiving the knowledge of the truth, there's no longer being sacrifices for sin. You're all going to sin all I mean, there's...
1: Oh, so now I'm going to call on Daniel because he's had his hand up and I haven't been able to get to him here. Daniel, what do you think? I uh, think that it's very applicable to me right now, by the way, that it feels like to me that yes, you can't harden your heart
0: to the Lord, and if you know the truth and you continue to sin when you do sin, you know that the wages of that are dead. You're not just walking around finding to the fact that there's a God and a punishment for sin. So if you sin and you're convicted on that and you don't go for forgiveness, or these things, then they build up, and that will harden your heart against the Lord. And that
1: is, to me, what it feels like, um, what it's saying. Because if we're seeing it differently, and we can be saved from that, then we can be saved from our sin while we're saved from our sin. So, um, what is... Um, okay, we know that the result of sin is death, right? So if you find yourself in sin, that you are sinful, the result of that is death. It says the wages of sin is death, right? So if you are separated from God and you're totally incapable, unable to um, not sin, you're totally unable to uh, save yourself and you find yourself in death and God by his mercy makes a way for you. He says, I'm going to pay for your sin. And I'm going to do more than just forgive you. I'm going to actually give you a new heart. Because sin is a heart condition. And that um, you may still find yourself in the old man for a while, but I'm going to take you through a program which we'll call sanctification. And that the end goal of this is that you would um, understand what sin is and want to have no part of it. That you want to be fully in my salvation that I provide.
0: So how does that leave room for someone like me
1: And, you know, and, and feeling myself, well yeah I will believe it but, you know, yes doing, it anyway. so you, you find yourself in, in uh, what I call the doo doo chapter of Romans. <laughs> Romans chapter 7 yeah. I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I, what I want to do and I don't know what to do I'm standing in a pile of do. what do I do <laughs> <laughs> and then just just to not leave you there Right. What does Paul say? That's right. He says, after saying, here I am in this pile of dew, what do I do? He says, thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, on the one hand, I myself, with my mind, am serving the law of God, but on the other, with my flesh, the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, when I find myself in the pile of dew and I'm doing what I don't want to do and, and I'm not doing what I want to do, which is truly the heart's desire that I have as a redeemed person because God put this new heart in me, um, I rest in his work and I cease from mine. When I cease from my work, I'm also going to cease from sin, ultimately. Now, can I do that perfectly? no but what's my heart my heart is to be in God's presence to be with him forever so I would say that's not the condition of one that says no God I fully understand I, I truly get it and I don't want to have anything to do with you there was one who is the author of that rebellion and that's what he did why do you think he is beyond redemption? Do you think his sin is more egregious than ours? Not according to all sins are equal. Pardon? Not according to all sins are equal. Not according to all sins are equal. Isn't it
0: just a matter of getting to the place where you don't even want to be forgiven anymore? Right. You don't want right. To with so
1: if if like if you, if you really you. want to be God and you don't want God to be God and you're unwilling to give up your throne. There is no redemption for you. There is no sacrifice that can bring you back. Christ's sacrifice is not effective if you reject it. And that's what's being said here. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. This is different than finding yourself struggling with sin.
0: I struggle with it because it's an
1: retrospect. I struggle with the fact that I already did sin. And when I did do it, I did it because I wanted to. So, when I I first became a Christian, okay, so God God doesn't save us clean. Um, We are his enemies when we turn to him. That's what it says. That um, there is nothing that would compel God to choose us. We're not offering him anything. We're not um, bringing any goodness. Rather, we're in our total yuck and muck and mire, right? And at that point, when we turn to him, he saves us. That's what he said he would do. And, And he never changes his mind in that. Now, what I think people worry about is what if I change my mind in that? What if I wake up tomorrow and you know what I've been doing for the last 25 years seems to really work for me sometimes, right? And then we do that and we find out, no, that doesn't work. Because what happens is there's a way of the world. It's a clash of the kingdoms going on. There's the kingdom of God of which only God is the king. And what he declares is good is good because he declared it. And what he says is right is right because that's who he is. He is the king. It's his kingdom. Then there is this other kingdom we'll called the kingdom of the world. And what you see is a clash of the kingdoms, and that's what's being described in chapter 7 of Romans. That's what's being described in Revelation. That's what's being described throughout the whole Bible. From Genesis chapter 3 through Revelation chapter 20. is the clash of the kingdoms. And the, the war for the hearts of men. At least as it's revealed here. God's creation is greater than just us. But nonetheless, he loves us so dearly. That he is willing to step into a kingdom that is not his own to redeem those that he loves. The clash of the kingdoms. The, the ultimate seal, Navy seal, comes in to rescue us. That's what's going on. Right? Now, when he pulls you out, are you not mucky?
0: No. You're
1: totally mucky. Right? So, what he. And, and you don't get clean just like that. If you've never taken a shower in your life, how do you know what to do? That's right. You find people that, that, you know, it's like, man, I see them and their walk with God, and the Holy Spirit testifies within me that that's what I want to be like. In fact, what I see in them is not them. What I see in them is Christ Jesus.
0: feeling impatient and like, well, okay, um, maybe I'm just, you know, uh, maybe I just don't deserve to be saved, which I don't, you know, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I want to be
1: transformed, Yes. you know, and I just find myself feeling guilty because of the sin that I commit now. Which and, this- and what I would say is that it goes back to the let us here that leads into this. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The very first thing that we are to do is to draw near. And when you draw near, you cease working. The reason that your conscience convicts you and the reason that this struggle is there is because we're not resting in God. And I can say that no one does this perfectly. and and some would say I don't even do it at all but guess what you show up on a Sunday morning and you ask the question does this apply to me is this what I'm about or is God in the process of doing something which I myself cannot do that's what's going on here God is in the process of doing which you yourself cannot do and he's doing it in me he's doing it in Tim he's doing it in you that's, that's the God that loves us so much that he would enter into a history, into a kingdom that is not his own, to save those that he loves so dearly. And that's, when you get to the point where you say, you know, I understand that. I got it. I rock it. In a 1960s language. Um, and you, in the midst of that, say, I don't want it. Go away, God. I'm busy here. I got my own kingdom I'm putting together. Even if it only lasts for a day, it's mine. That's what happens. And so Pharaoh, you look at the case of Pharaoh. When Moses presented the case to Pharaoh, he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said, no way. You know, they make good breaks. And, uh, and God presented evidence. Of who was God and who wasn't. And what happened is, it says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. And Pharaoh hardened his heart. Until finally, God says, okay, that's the way it's going to be. I'll harden your heart. And God hardened his heart. And judgment came. That's what's going on here. It is possible to reject the grace of God. And that is what will is about. And that's why this whole thing is about the heart condition. This is this is a battle for your heart. Is
0: this chapter, I in uh, Hebrews 10, all about rejecting God once you accept Him? Yes.
1: So that's, that's what Tim's question is. Is it possible for me in my fallen condition to do something that I really don't want to do and reject God? Because if you're worried about rejecting God and ending up on the outside because of your own frailty, you're not understanding who God is. Right? Can God save you? I'm going to ask everybody in here. Can God save you? Yes, but if God can save you and your desire is for him to save you, you are not in this condition. If your desire is for God to save you, you are not willfully rejecting him. Now, I'm not talking about a willful rejection that occurs um, one morning and you just wake up and you say, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm tired of... Trying to do the right thing, and the the key word here is I'm tired of trying to do the right thing. Okay, I'm trying, right? And so I'm just going to get on with the show, and I'm going to cross over the Broadway Bridge and go down to the waterfront and get some heroin, and and I'm just going to continue with the game because I know that game, and I know that it will bring me relief for an hour. That's a decision to sin, and you'd think, well, that's willful, but is that? What your heart really wants? No. What your heart really wants is to be safe and secure in the hands of God. It's just that sin, the old man, has its way for a day. Does that mean you're lost? Is God's salvation not that deep? That's the question. How deep is God's love for you? And unless you totally say, man, I want nothing to do with you then one of the questions would be, did you ever want anything to do with it? Was your heart ever there? And that was the, the, your original question. is like, well, how do I know that I really was ever redeemed? How do I know that I was ever really born again? If you're asking those questions, you're probably not in that condition. <laughs> Seriously. Because that tells you something about the condition of your heart. The
0: question is... You said that uh, you do things and then you feel guilty. Okay. If you don't feel guilty, then you're in bad
1: trouble. Right. <laughs> that's a condition of hardness of the heart. <laughs> it's your confidence. Yeah.
0: Yes. If you have this feeling of guilt, mm-hmm. then you know that God has died for you. Yeah. And he only died one time. <laughs> it works that he died once control for Right. So, and the, the thing of it is, is, you go out there and you're running with the crowd, and all of a sudden, you step out of line, and you feel guilty. You know you've got to
1: get Guilt, guilt is a good thing. Guilt is a good thing. It points out that something needs to change.
0: You have to stop the guilty. That's right. right.
1: So I, I got hands going up all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. Excuse <laughs> um, I think it's a matter of faith. Uh, it it is, is a matter a of faith. chapter 10, let us draw your sincere faith, sincere heart, and full assurance of faith. Yes. Having our hearts critical clean from an evil conscience. Yes. And it is an issue of faith. Pure water. And it says in another place that he is our guilt offering. Yes. And so we need to believe. Right. And that it's not possible to have your conscience cleansed apart from a relationship with Christ. And this is all about faith. So that's the direction that the authors take us. Eileen? Uh, I think, I think it, you
0: know, we're using the word guilt and believers are
1: convicted. Yes.
0: Uh and especially if we are renewing our mind with the water of the word. Yep. That's how we know what God wants of us. But the enemy will also say, and said to me when I came back, to prayer, oh, you didn't really do it. You've done right. this many times before. This is, you, you haven't really made a confession of faith. And right. you, you know, this isn't going to work. Well, you know, time, time goes by, you uh, are in the word. And God will reveal to you. I, he has revealed to me what I thought before. I know what I thought before. I know what I think now. And it is a world apart. It is opposite world. So uh, it's, it's a continual walk.
1: It is. It's and a renewing you know, of our mind.
0: The spirit bright, uh, shines brighter uh, day by day we are walking with him. Does that mean that we won't be tempted and that we won't I love to go 70 80 90 miles an hour. <laughs> and I know that's into the block.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, so it just so happens my right shoe has more weight yes. in it than <laughs> in it. It's not my fault, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, but, but it is an indication of
1: wanting to be in control. Of wanting to, this is my road, by golly, this is my road. I tell that to Karen every time we're coming home in traffic. <laughs> <in> an <angry laughs> but just one other thing that I would say is, I had a conversation with somebody two days ago
0: that is very much a person that does not want the grace of God.
1: Yes. I've, I've met people like that, and what happens is, is it gives me a little... Yes. Uh, raises the hair on the back right. of my neck. It scares me right. because I I have an idea of what that means, and I don't fully understand what it means. There's no way that we understand the terror of falling into the hands of the living God, um, but we know that that is not something that is good in any way. And and we should we should reverence God for who He is. That's what it's saying. And what I would say here is that it doesn't just stop with saying okay, if you sin willfully after receiving knowledge of the truth that, that you're done, you're toast. That God's done with you, that his uh, sacrifice for you is not effective anymore. That's not what it's saying. Because it goes on here and says, um, how much, he gives the, the example of those that would hold the law up as an example of righteousness. And he says, how much more severe punishment you think he will deserve who has, first, trampled underfoot the Son of God, second, has regarded as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and third, has insulted the Spirit of grace. So the question we should be asking is, do I I, I willfully sin? Because we all willfully sin. If that wasn't true, we wouldn't have seen chapter 7 of Romans. <clears throat> that wasn't a true condition of man as he exists today in salvation it wouldn't be there but we need to understand what that means, what it means to trample underfoot the son of God, regard as unclean the blood of the covenant by which you're sanctified and insulting the spirit of grace
0: I feel like every day that's how I like every day and without being consistently in prayer, which I'm not, and I should be, because when I'm not, that is
1: exactly what I am. Um, Again, it's not what we do. It's what he does in us and for us. And so what I would say is that... um, Deliberate sin is failure to cease from our works and enter into God's rest. Okay, well, I can do that. Okay. Willful and deliberate means that it's not a sin of ignorance. And the idea of uh, there no longer remains a sacrifice is that there's no repentance. That it's a rejection of Christ, which means no submission to the king. It's a refusing judgment of God, because God judges. That's He is the rightful judge. And that means that uh, we don't approve what God approves, and we don't condemn what God condemns. We rather become the judge. And it means blaspheming the Spirit. And I get asked this question all the time. What does it mean to blaspheme the Spirit? So, trampling underfoot the Son of God, what does that mean? What does it mean to trample underfoot the Son of God? Mm -hmm. To not acknowledge that He is the true and only uh, God that has entered into humanity. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from Him, there is no access to the Father. Right? What it says, when you trample underfoot the son of God you are saying all of the revealed truth of God is not true that if this book is about Jesus and the revelation of God's uh, salvation for man through his son and I think that that's what it's about um, that you're declaring that that's not true you're saying that the son is just another wise guy. That's what you're saying. Yeah, saying that you're denying,
0: the,
1: right? You're denying the divinity yeah. and the humanity of Christ. It like As well as um, knowing that that's the truth, and then still continuing to not live according to that. Um, that that particular part. Trampling underfoot the Son of God is not. Perhaps regarding as unclean the blood of the covenant by which you're sanctified would fall under that. In other words, you're choosing um, what is going to bring you life. And you're rejecting that which God says will bring you life. You're becoming the judge. So first you say, The one who is the true judge is not the judge. He's just some wise guy. And then you're claiming for yourself uh, effective power. Right? This is... If you look at classic Christian cults, these are some of the errors that they make. Right? This This is the formula that they follow. And finally, it says that you insult the spirit of grace. You blaspheme the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? I always ask these questions right at the end, right? <laughs> so I'm going to give you my take on this, which I usually don't do. Usually, I want you guys to wrestle with it and tell me what's going on. What is the third commandment? What's first commandment? What's second commandment? No, no idols. No. What's third commandment? Yeah, most people don't even think about third commandment. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Don't empty God of who he is. Don't claim that the spirit of God is the devil. So if you empty God of who he is, You have dethroned him. You have taken away all truth and righteousness and made yourself the declaration of truth and righteousness and goodness. And you have made him non-existent as vapor. That's what it means to take the name of God in vain. Now... That isn't just waking up one day and saying, you know, I am really tired. I've been fighting a battle against my flesh since the day I was born. And one of the things that I know that gives my flesh some relief is this sinful activity, whatever that might be. Whether it be um, gossiping so that you end up being on top, you end up being seen as good, right? Right? Whether it's greed, so that you can control your environment. Whether it's drugs, sex, and rock and roll. Whatever that means, right? But people understand what their weakness is. And on any given day, that little voice will come in and say, You know what? You're tired. Choose the easy path. Choose the wide way. Choose what will bring you relief for an hour. And what God says is, that's false. That ends badly. There is no life in that. And if you decide to empty God of who he is, if you decide to trample underfoot the Son of God, regard as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was, by which we were sanctified, and has insulted the spirit of grace blaspheme the Holy Spirit by emptying God of who he is there no longer remains an effective sacrifice for you now the, the question is can you do this after you've been redeemed is, is God not great enough to hold you unless I mean unless you really squirm and say, no, 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 I'm really, really done with you, God. I would choose hell over you. And that's why when people say there is no one in hell that doesn't choose to be there, this is why. You have to choose it in the face of God in order to go there. God's desire for you is life. Now, there are some that are going to choose it because they never heard and they can only choose themselves and that's a tragedy which is why we want to share our faith because there is a way God provided it and then there are those that fall in this camp that this is what they desire their heart's desire is to be as far from God as is possible which is in eternal death when you get to that place guess what It says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So our teacher here, in saying, You know, there are those that are lost. And this is about a heart condition. He goes on to say, But remember the former days when after being enlightened, You endured a great conflict of sufferings. Partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations. And partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. Knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. In other words, you believed the promise. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, he who is coming will come, and will not delay. And he quotes again in Habakkuk, but my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. He's going to unpack that for us now. What does it mean to walk in faith? It says walk in faith. It doesn't say walk in the power of your own strength to defeat sin. It does not say that. Says so to walk in faith, and now he's going to unpack that for us. Isn't
0: that kind of like encouraging you to persevere? Don't give up. Yes. Because you're all going to yes. you know, fall.
1: Because
2: if we do give up and then you keep falling, at some point you're going to stop feeling guilty and you're going to be yeah. so hardened. It is possible. It
1: is money. possible to reject God. If that was not the case, hell would be empty.
0: that I I wish I do and that he forgives me and has saved me from eternal hell which is mind
1: boggling to me
0: so that requires faith on my behalf to
1: accept that that's even possible what I what we'll we'll want to tease out next week because we are out of time is why faith is not a work because many would categorize faith as a kind of work it's something that we have to do. We have to turn the crank so that we get the result. Faith is not a work. It's a condition. So let's let's unpack that next week. Because that's where you're going. Oh, yeah. Uh, are we on next week? Who was going to look?
0: Here's what you... It's just to go to the second hour because they want people in this group to come to the first hour to... Sure. the
1: second hour and then we have something to do oh okay so we are meeting
0: next week hour. up to you, up to you. Oh, yeah. it's all up to you <laughs> I,
1: I am your servant do you want to have a class next week nobody said anything I guess I get to sleep in I say yes because <laughs>
0: Because if we all go to the early service, then that yeah. opens it up for other people,
1: guests, and whatever, yeah. the main service. Okay, okay, so I will be here next week. You're invited to join us. What we're going to do is we're going to start unpacking faith. What does it mean to walk in faith? And We're going to start with what they call the Hall of Faith. Is it 830 or nine? Uh, so, for right. so, so, somewhere so around nine so thirty or whenever the well, first service gets over, an hour and a half like usually do. So I
0: wouldn't plan on being before ten. The second 10:30 service
1: starts yeah. at ten thirty. You could do okay. that. Okay. Um, so. No, I'm saying, when are you going to start Sunday school? I'll 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 start Sunday school after the first service. So
2: ten thirty. Ten thirty.
1: It's so that way people can go to the first service and then uh, okay, go to the
2: Sunday school. <laughs> but if you want to go to
1: the second service, then, then that doesn't work. So uh, let, let's, let's close in prayer and then have a quick discussion on that. Because they're going to kill me for getting you guys out of here late. I say they Anyway, Lord, we just thank you so much for causing us to wrestle so deeply uh, with a powerful passage from your scripture, Lord, that, that uh, you challenge us as to what our heart condition truly is, what our will is, and where we stand um, in you, which is an encouragement and a comfort. Lord, help us to understand what it means to to truly draw near, to cease from our own works and rest in the work that you've done for us. Lord, help us to um, identify, have your spirit just convict us right and left of the sin that is in our life, that which we don't know and that which we do, and we continue in lord continue to stir us up uh, and encourage us to good works and that uh, lord we know that there is victory in you and we may not understand that but we do want to understand what it means to rest in you and to have faith in you and to draw near the lord into your rest and so lord we just ask that as we wrestle through this passage of scripture which is one of the scariest warnings that i've uh, come across that you would uh, Bring us in awe into your presence uh, as we draw near, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we just ask that you would uh, protect us as we go from here, that you would provide for us as as only you can do. Lord, all real provision comes from you, Uh, the very breath that we take. And, Lord, we just thank you for that. And we ask that you be with Pastor Bob this morning as he unpacks your word uh, for those that may have never heard or will hear in a new way today, Lord. We just ask that your spirit move powerfully among the people in your church here. Lord, we thank you for all of this and give you praise and glory and honor always, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.